Welcome to the Changing Mission podcast brought to you by the Outreach Foundation. My name is Marcus DePaula, and today we have the pleasure of speaking with Africa Mission Specialist Frank Dimmick. Thank you for taking the time to speak with us today, Frank. Thank you, Marcus, for having me. So before we get started, let's have you give us a little bit of your background and what you do here at the Outreach Foundation. Right. As you mentioned, I'm the Africa Mission Specialist, and my background has included about three decades of work as a Presbyterian missionary in Africa in a number of countries. And my training is in public health at graduate level, and a lot of the work that I have retrained in is mental health. Okay. A lot of the training I had in trauma healing and mental health has come through the American Bible Society. Okay. So it has been based on scripture and with mental health principles. Since you have started with the Outreach Foundation, what have been some of the church communities that you've been most connected with and that you've been visiting these past few years? I joined the Outreach Foundation about 17 months ago, beginning of 2017. And the hope was that I could connect with African partners, Presbyterian partners that the Outreach Foundation has been working with. And I knew many of them, having worked with them for the last several decades. I knew the churches, the leaders, and it was a real joy just to move into that position and work with our partners, our extended family, I would like to call them, sure. in Kenya, Ethiopia, South Sudan, Malawi, Zambia, Zimbabwe, a number of African countries where I've lived over the years. Great. And I understand that you have been spending a lot of time working with the South Sudanese refugees, and that's mostly in Ethiopia, is that correct? Right. Many of the members of the Presbyterian Church of South Sudan have fled from South Sudan because of the ongoing conflict. Sure. And about half a million of them are in camps in Ethiopia. Wow. Another 180,000 are in a Kakuma camp in Kenya. Quite a few have gone to Uganda. They have gone to neighboring camps as well as been internally displaced in camps within South Sudan. Okay. So the Presbyterian Church of South Sudan is a displaced church. It is scattered, and it's been very difficult for them, of course, to remain together as a denomination or as a structure. We've been working with primarily those who are in Ethiopia, Mm -hmm. in those six camps in the Gambela region of Ethiopia. And many of them have been there for three to five years, but some much longer from earlier conflicts. They are largely Presbyterian from the New Air ethnic group. Mm -hmm. It's the same ethnic group and same language as our Ethiopian partners in that area. They have been wonderful hosts to their South Sudanese brothers and sisters and have enabled us to have a platform from which we can work with the South Sudanese. We've talked in previous podcasts about how in these times of unrest and specifically with the South Sudanese church, the displacement, how during these times of trouble tends to be the best opportunity for the church to be able to reach new people. In spite of the churches being displaced, are there still outreach programs that they're working on within the camps themselves? Absolutely. We initially asked the Presbyterian Church leaders of the Presbyterian Church of South Sudan, what were their priorities? Because we didn't want to go in with preconceived notions about what we could export to them or train them to do. Mm -hmm. And they said, well, our number one priority really is the trauma that everyone has experienced. All refugees, women, children, adults of all kinds have experienced trauma because of the conflict in South Sudan, because of fleeing, and because of being in a refugee camp with people that they don't know and in a foreign country. So trauma healing was their top priority. Education was their number two priority. Okay. 
And TOF has been very involved in raising funds and supporting preschool education in these six camps, now with 18 preschools that are established in wow. those camps. So providing materials and support to early childhood education and development. The third priority was Bibles. Okay. And together with so many donors and partners, we distributed 7,500 Bibles in their language in November of 2017. And then the fourth priority was leadership training. Okay. Because so many of the South Sudanese at the time of the conflict were in seminaries Mm -hmm. in South Sudan that have since been destroyed, unfortunately, and were closed. And they fled with their families. And so a number of the South Sudanese pastors were in training and had that interrupted. Okay. And they want to complete their training. The church needs pastors. Sure. Uh, They need people with training. And so leadership training has been the fourth priority. And Outreach Foundation has been very helpful in all of those areas. Wonderful. Part of my focus has been certainly on the trauma healing and training South Sudanese to work in trauma healing with their brothers and sisters. But we've also contributed quite a bit to the education program. It seems almost like your experience, God has been preparing you for this moment specifically. It really is a miracle the way God has directed my life and training before even joining Outreach in this direction. And when I joined Outreach and received the portfolio for South Sudan, the church there said this is our priority. It fit like a glove. That's amazing. Tell us a little bit more about what specifically you're doing with the trauma healing. I understand there's a a unique kind of project that you've been involved with. Yeah, it's really exciting. We've done three trainings of trainers for adult trauma healing. We've had one children's training with a children's camp, Mm -hmm. and we've done audio trauma healing training. And let me tell you about the audio. That's exciting. We realize that so many of the refugees are women and children. And illiteracy is quite high. So we needed a non-print type of trauma healing training. And we decided that an audio version of the lessons in trauma healing would be appropriate. Mm -hmm. So in December of 2017, we asked some seminary students who were South Sudanese in seminary in Nairobi, in Kenya, as refugees to translate the English material into Nuer, into their language. Okay. So they did that during their Christmas holiday in December. (laughs) We received the results, and we worked with the Gallatin Sudanese American Presbyterian Church here in Tennessee to recruit adult speakers and a few children's speakers to use that New Air translation and verbally act out the audio trauma healing material. So these are dramatized storytelling. Exactly. Okay. They're, for the children, it's the story of Joseph and his journey through that trauma that he endured. Bible stories, as well as a local story of a refugee mm-hmm. who's been traumatized through a series of 10 to 13 different lessons. They recorded that at First Presbyterian Church Hendersonville, who were happy to give us their facility to do this. Mm -hmm. And over a week period, a year ago, we recorded the audio lessons in trauma healing. In June of last year, we started the training in Gambella of people from each of these camps with the audio devices. And they, in turn, were retrained in November of last year and set up listening groups. So they'll take these small devices and use them with a small group Mm -hmm. and go through each lesson for about 30 minutes each lesson and have discussion guideline questions to talk with the group so that over a period of time, it can be done sequentially in one week. It can be done over 
you know, once a week or Sunday afternoons, however they want to do it. Okay. To go through these lessons and to share and heal from a lot of that pain. So it's really amazing. Yeah. And that's the most popular training that we've done is the audio. Okay. They like that. What have you seen come out of that? I've been inspired. Certainly, I have learned a lot. Mm-hmm. They've benefited as well. There is a lot of processing of the trauma that they've experienced. The fact that this is scripture-based provides support to their faith and builds resilience mm. because they are going to continue to be traumatized. They are living in these camps. They don't know when they'll go back home, if they'll go back home, and where they'll go, what they'll do, where their families are, etc. So there's, there's a lot of trauma ahead for them as well. So having the memory verses, the scripture that goes along with these healing lessons really helps to build their resilience. Mm. I've been really inspired by the faithfulness of these people, my brothers and sisters from South Sudan. Mm -hmm. Like I said, they fled conflict to a foreign country, many of them. They left behind whatever belongings they had, their homes. Many of them were separated from family, from community, from church, from school, or in a foreign place. But they came with their faith. Mm. That faith has enabled them to be hopeful. In spite of where they are, their situation, they are faithful and hopeful. They are joyful in worship, and that provides their resilience. They want to go home, but it's their expression of worship and faithfulness and joy that is such an inspiration to me and to anyone who has experienced such a thing. Absolutely. Through the Outreach Foundation, there are opportunities to travel and experience those types of things firsthand. You've provided some really great blog posts from your travels that are on the website that share all of your experiences and a lot of photographs, too, because you have a camera with you, which is great. I wish I could share more, and I hope to in the near future, in fact. It is hard to describe. It's hard to capture in a picture. We're working together with partners from Kenya, from Egypt, from the United States, and we go as a team, a small team usually, in, right. on the June visit. I'll be leaving the 1st of June. There'll be two Sudanese Americans who are here in this country, one from Tennessee and one from California. Okay. There will be three people from the church in Egypt who will join us in the trauma healing program in June, as well as a trainer who's coming from Kenya. I see another way to build bridges with ecumenical partners to strengthen the response and the work with the Presbyterian Church of South Sudan. That's wonderful. We also have a network of European and North American partners who have been supportive of the Presbyterian Church of South Sudan, and we're in telephone communication occasionally to compare notes and decide how we're going to work together. That's great. We typically go in June and November each year. I make a trip because of the weather and so forth. The situation's usually calmer. I do have to get permission from the Ethiopian government Mm -hmm. to go into the camps, to follow up on those that we've trained, to look at the education programs and to meet leaders who are wanting scholarships for training. To do that, it's a process and it's not easy to take a group into the camps. The government is responsible for security there. Our Ethiopian partners, the Makani Jesus Church, have been very helpful in hosting our trainings so that we bring people from the camps to a centralized location for that. And that's been much better. Another thing I wanted to raise, Marcus, was a number of 
South Sudanese diaspora who are living in this country. Uh I've recently made a trip to Nebraska where there are thousands, reportedly eight to 10,000 South Sudanese. Wow who have settled in the area of Lincoln, Omaha, and across the river in Iowa. There are other colonies of diaspora in Tennessee, in South Dakota, in San Diego. Mm -hmm. And we're trying to connect with them as well because they are in contact with their family members in South Sudan or in Ethiopia in these camps. We want to strengthen the network of support to the church in South Sudan with those South Sudanese who are in this country, who are many of them receiving training and education and can contribute in many ways to the church there. Yeah, that's great. One of the inspiring things, by the way, is the fact that not only have the South Sudanese come with their faith, but they have established churches. And there are over 100 churches in these camps of Presbyterians. They're very simple mud buildings, but they are worshipful. They spend all day Sunday there worshiping. And the Outreach Foundation has helped to supply keyboards and amplifiers and speakers so that they can have music at their time of worship, which has been particularly attractive to the young people. Sure. And these camps are 80% women and children. So there are a lot of young people. They're attracted to the music and the worship Mm -hmm. and the choirs that compete with each other. They just have a marvelous time with that. And that's one wonderful gift that the Outreach Foundation has helped with. That's great. I often have trouble with the term partners. Okay. I really consider these people to be part of my extended family. And so I'd like for us to use maybe that term rather than partners, which could be a business or a legal term. Right. But extended family, we're all part of God's family, and they mean so much. Yeah. They have transcended these borders of neighboring countries with their faith. So you hear a lot about doctors without borders or journalists without borders. Mm -hmm. These people have their faith without borders, Mm -hmm. and they have moved to precarious situations in foreign countries under a lot of stress, but they brought their faith with them. Mm -hmm. And that's such an inspiration. Well, if you want to learn more about Frank's work with South Sudanese refugees, you can visit our website at theoutreachfoundation.org. There are also opportunities to donate to support these ministries and the people there. And you can sign up for our newsletter as well so that the next time Frank goes, you can get notified. Frank, thank you so much for taking time to speak with us today. Thank you, Marcus. Marcus.